Yes. We're going to do something a little different tonight. Um, there's a couple of people have their hands raised. And don't ask me a question I can't answer in front of everybody. Okay. All right. Bill, I really appreciate you sharing your heart with us tonight in Christian humility and love. And uh, I believe that repentance is going deeper in every heart that's willing right now in God's, among God's people. I personally don't believe it's going to happen with every single person person who has their names on the church record book. But I believe that every person that is willing is experiencing, certainly not to the depth that we will, but I believe that that work of repentance, corporate repentance, is going on. Okay, thank you. Did, did somebody have their hand up over here? Yes. That's the second time you've helped me to remember something. Thank you. I want you to go to Zechariah. Zechariah. You'll find it there among the minor prophets, just ahead of Malachi. Boy, some of you are really sharp. Uh, let's go to chapter 12. chapter 12, and verses 9 and 10, and it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all, I'm sorry, verse, uh, well, okay, to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem, and I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Amen. Verse 6 of chapter 13, And one shall say unto him, What are thy wounds in thine hands? And I do like the King James here, In thine hands. Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Amen. Romans 3.3 3 tells us that um, 3.4 says, 2.4, um, 2.3 two, two, says that the goodness of God leads us to what? Amen. To repentance. This, this precious message, this much more abounding grace, this Christ our righteousness, the final, the terminus is to lead a bride to repentance. Amen. Chapter 13, verse 1, In that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David, and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. What a promise. What a promise. Mourn for him as they would mourn for a firstborn son. When I read that now, I think of that man who one evening came home and um, for whatever reason he thought there was a burglar in the house. You remember this story? True story. A couple of years ago. He thought there was a burglar in his house and so he... Um, he got his gun out. I don't know if it was in his car or whatever. And he goes in very cautiously into his house. He hears a noise in the closet. And he just, boom. And he opens the door. And who's lying there? But his daughter. And she dies in his arms. Before she dies, she looks at him and says, Daddy, I love you. 
mourn for Jesus as we would mourn for a firstborn son. He deserves better from Bill Brace. He really does. I don't know if there's any more comments or things you'd like to say. I know that this maybe is really heavy for some of you. Yes? I just wanted to, to, to ask, maybe to help all of us here, how we can help our church and congregation not to think individually, but to think corporately. Yeah. Because, and uh, even now, as I look, you know, this happened, yes, the principal was killed at that, but it didn't happen in my school. Yes. In my... And the other thing is, when we ask for corporate repentance, do we know what is our greatest sin? What are we going to ask repentance for? Good question. Uh, can I hold just a minute? Um, uh, yes. I recently read a book called Corporate Repentance. It's a wonderful book. Probably Robert Robert Wheeland. Do we have it over there by any chance? No. Okay. All right. Yes. Wouldn't you say the question was how do we think corporately? Wouldn't the answer to that be the gift of the mind of Christ? Wouldn't that be the point? Good answer. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's a very good answer, the mind of Christ. Uh, she said, um, oh, thank you. I, I'm supposed to be repeating these things, and I, I forgot. So I'm sorry about that. Whoever is listening right down now, you millions that are listening to this, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I repent. Um, okay, that the answer over there. Did you get the question, or she? The, the answer was in the question. The question was in the answer, or something. She said the way that we could begin to think corporately is to is to ask for the mind of Christ. I thought that was I thought that was good. Now, Pastor John, your your question. Um, repeat it again so I can. Maybe the second one. Uh, specifically to be asking, what is our sin? Yes. Corporate sin. What is our corporate sin? The thing that comes to my mind, if there's any other pastor or any lay person here who would come with a good answer right now, I think our corporate sin is unbelief. I think it's unbelief. But you know what? The Sermon of the Lord says there's one prayer that never goes unanswered. I believe. Forgive thou. That's right. Amen. Help thou my unbelief. Yeah. God doesn't reject anybody. No, no. This is no time for criticism, no time to go to your pastor and say, you, you know, whatever, blah, 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 or whatever. No, it's, it's us. Amen. It's us. Amen. And if, if we're part of, I always feel if I'm part of the problem, that means I could be part of the solution, Amen. right? Oh, God, give me a belief. Give me a faith. Give me the mind of Jesus. Yes. Could be broader than that. We we we've been here much too long. We've been holding up the bridegroom, his heart. You know, she says, you know, he's he's disappointed. He's greatly disappointed. Again, there's no rejection, and I'm not putting pointing fingers at anybody. It's we. It's we. And you know what? I think these kinds of things 
our, the goodness of God leads us to that kind of mind of Jesus. It will. We're, we, what you're experiencing here is a step in that direction. It is. Because it's not haranguing, it's not criticizing, it's not being judgmental. The thing that will break hearts is the wonderful love of Christ. Amen. That will break hearts. Yes. Thank you. I, I guess these things aren't going to go on, but anyway, um, thank you very much. I, I, that's, I think, a very cogent point. Um, yes? What I feel I need to repent of, what I feel we as a church need to repent of, is our, reje- our rejecting this message of Christ as our righteousness. You know, we, we've been pushing along in our own righteousness, doing our own thing for all this time. It's time for us to repent and accept Christ as our righteousness. Anyone else that would like to? Yes, uh, true corporate repentance only happens on an individual level. Groups can't sort of repent like that. It has to be each individual act. Since each individual act sins on its own, repentance also has to be on its own. Certainly, corporate repentance cannot be be experienced without individual repentance. So I do believe they're hand in hand. Um, have another hand here. Um, Will you be the Pharisee or the publican? I would say, thank God I'm not like these others. Or were we to say, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Thank you. I'm not suggesting somebody can just go down their knees tonight and say, well, I corporately repent. Well done. I know, I think it's a, it's a mind of Jesus that we would pray for so that we could at least begin down that road and, um, and have the, the church. God loves his bride. Wow. Man, he loves his bride. He loves you and me. He loves you and me. Wow. And his ideal for us is higher than the highest human thought can reach for his, of his children, right? Can think for his children. Yeah. There's a hand over here.
my thoughts is that if you tie it back to the message to the Laodicean church, and you look at that because you certainly corporately there, that, you know, we, I know that for myself, one of the reasons that I am a Seventh-day Adventist is I've looked at what we believe in, and I concur. I believe in what we believe in. It's, it, it's in Scripture. We speak the truth of God. But if we look at what's being said to the Laodicean church, he's accusing us of being rich and in need of nothing. And so one of your calls tonight is that we're certainly in need of something. You know, Christ is calling the Laodicean church to repent of the fact that it thinks that it needs nothing. And that part of what our apostasy has brought about for us is that our nakedness isn't covered by Christ's righteousness. Um, Our poorness is not supplied by the riches of God. Our blindness, we don't see things as he sees them. And that in all of that combination, you know, as I've heard said, there isn't anything that we can do without God. So he's looking for us to return to him. And I think one of the things that God's impressed upon me most powerfully lately is looking at our message of the, of the um, Sabbath as a commandment. And when you consider that the Sabbath is written corporately to a family structure, a patriarchal structure, and that everyone that's mentioned in that commandment was part of that family that worked corporately to take care of the needs of that family, God is basically saying in that commandment is that never forget that you need me. We focus on all the things that we shouldn't be doing, but what God is saying in the fourth, in that commandment is telling us that we need to remember that he's created and made it possible for us always to have a special time with him and that we shouldn't forget how much we need him. We should always come to him and we should always return to him and seek his power and his grace. I've I've heard anything tonight, I've heard that. You know, that in, in our need, in our nakedness, in our Laodicean nature, that that's the reality. And if we can sit here and say, well, that's not really true of me, then I'm missing the point. You know, it says that uh, Ezekiel, Ezekiel, Zacharias said that God would pour out a spirit of what? Of grace. That would lead to repentance. The reason the church is in a latency and condition, believe me, I've heard pastors say, we just need to get the people working. The people won't follow us. They need to get them working. No, the reason the church is in its latest in condition is because of me, because of us. All of us, all of us. I think that Elder Wilson is beginning, I think he's recognizing revival, repentance, I mean reformation. And sometime or other, I believe he'll be talking of a repentance. I have faith in him. Can I say that? I have faith in him. <laughs> There's a hand up over, uh, oh, a couple of hands here. I don't want to belabor. I've been given permission to see how this would go, so um, see how we proceed here. Yes. Are, are you, are you um, <clears throat> making a call which 
you hope will spread across the land, and, and it wouldn't bother me a bit if it were to start here, if it's something that God wants to happen. Or, or do you see your voice as one of a number around in different places that are calling for the same thing? It would be terribly egotistical of me to say that I'm having a call tonight that I hope will transmit itself all over the world. Hmm. It's terribly egotistical of me. So I used to have a friend who, when someone would say, what you're preaching is the latter rain, he would say, how do you know that? very modestly. Some of you know the person, or did know him before he died. Um, I'm, I'm sharing this with you. I had nothing in mind other than sharing it with you to give you an understanding of the call in Scripture. And I cannot speak for you. Um, that's between you and the Lord. But I think, let me ask a question. How many of you have never heard this before? How many of you have never heard it before? Don't be embarrassed to raise your hand. I was seminary trained in the pastorate for 10 years before I heard it. So, okay, there's probably, you know, 20% of you. All right. There was another hand over here. Yes. Um, I really liked your message tonight, for one. I just wanted to let you know that. Um, my question was, you spoke about the pastor, Ted Wilson, on revival and reformation, and I really liked that a lot. Um, when you started out your sermon, and you started out in Isaiah chapter 40, and it says in verse 4 there, Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain shall be, and every hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. Um, if, for revival and reformation, my question is, when you spoke about Laodicean just before that and going back to Philadelphia when you said Philadelphia is brotherly love, in order for us to have full revival and reformation, we have to, we have to move forward into the most holy place where Jesus is, and that reformation takes place when we have corporate, corporately and individually, like John says, revival and reformation in our own hearts and mind, and we pure, it's, this verse, verse 4 is a purification process of character reformation in each one of us, corporately and individually. So do you think that that's where we have to be, is following Jesus into the most holy place and having that purification process in each one of us? That thought you just expressed, if I double-check my manuscript, I think it's in there. Thank you. We are to follow Jesus into the most holy place, aren't we? Follow the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth. And any kind of repentance that is deep and significant in these climactic hours can only come forth from a heart that has followed Jesus Amen. in the most holy place Amen. of heavenly sanctuary. Bill, could you speak to the sanctuary message and the importance of that right now? Is there another bill up here? You know, the only unique, the only unique uh, truth that Seventh-day Adventists have is the sanctuary, right? It's the only unique truth. The other people, they're concerned about their health, and others 
believe in the state of the dead as we do, and uh, there are many other churches, small, that keep Sabbath, you know, etc. So the only unique uh, truth we have is the sanctuary. Um, I would encourage everyone to go to uh, early writings, pages 54 to 56, or is it 56 through 58? Pastors, help me out. I think it's 54 through 56, where she talks about two groups. And one group did not go into the most holy place. They prayed. You, I think many of you know that, right? But if you haven't read it, read it. And um, the importance of going into the most holy place keeps us from being deceived in the closing hours of his history. We have this idea that, you know, well, we're never going to fall for a false Christ. You know, we know the, the moon bats there, whatever their names were, that thought of Haley, Haley's Comet or whatever. And oh, boy. But really, the most holy place experientially is where we need to be because that is where we are protected. And the most holy place is, is designed when you come to the glory of God. Number one, number one, when you come into the presence of God, the first thing that happens to you is you feel your sinfulness. Amen. Isaiah is a prime example, as was Peter in the boat. You feel your sinfulness. And then that gives, that gives God the opportunity to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's only when you see it and you're willing to give it over to him. And that happens in the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary. That is very important because, as I said before, uh, my first evening, I, the first presentation, all kinds of gospels can save you. But it's only the gospel that is in the setting of the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary that can translate you. And that's the need. Jesus is looking for a bride who he can translate and be with her forever. Uh, uh, no wrinkles or spots. I have a friend in a uh, historical Adventist church in Houston, and they've been studying the sanctuary in some other churches too. And they, have, they are experiencing uh, an enormous uh, revival. Hmm. And she... She says it's so so connected to this study of the sanctuary. She just she just can't talk enough about it. She was encouraging us to do that. If it if if it is if it is in the context of the righteousness of Christ, that will be a lasting last revival. If it isn't, it'll be temporary. I spoke to a conference president a number of years ago. I laid it on my heart to him in his office, and. Um, I said, you know, talk about revival. This was in the mid-60s. And as I said, I'd been, you know, the Methuselah down there. And um, he, I talked about revival, and he says, yes, Bill, what we need is a lasting, last revival. And Cliff Gleason would be quick to say, a revival of what? Primitive of godliness. Yeah. Okay, I see a couple of other hands, maybe. Did you, I thought you were going to put on your sheet uh, something that the German church did the Seventh-day Adventist German church did a few years ago. Do you remember what that was? Yes, I do. Okay. What was it? <laughs> I told you I know. <laughs> um, was it about five years ago? Somebody help me. Was it about four or five years ago? Two of the conferences in, um, in um, Germany and Austria um, asked for forgiveness of... Um, of um, Judaism, who, what would we say, Judaism, uh, for the way that they, the Seventh-day Adventist church in Germany, Austria, responded or lacked their response to the Jews in World War II. 
Uh, it's the first time I've ever heard of Seventh-day Adventist Church asking for forgiveness of another entity. Um, but it was good. 70 or so years after the fact. Yes, yes. It, well, not 70, but close to it. Um, yeah, pretty close to 70, come to think of it. Um, there's a hand to a hand here, and then a hand back here, and a yeah, hand over I, here. Just whenever you're done, uh, I feel a desire in my heart to respond in a corporate way uh, tonight. Uh, I don't know if you're planning on... You know, God's made an appeal lead. through you. Lead. And uh, if you would be willing to lead us, give us that opportunity publicly to respond, it would mean a lot to me. Okay. A um, couple of hands over here. Is, is corporate repentance uh, tied to Daniel's experience in that prayer that we read in chapter 9 where he identified with his brethren so completely that he was really an intercessor for them, mm. right? Mm. I mean, he was willing to give up his own spot in heaven for the whole church mm. so that he was so identified with the church that his repentance was a repentance for the church. Mm. And it seems to me that the corporate repentance is when that experience happens with, with so many people that the Holy Spirit move, weaves it into a movement Amen. Uh, that, that catches fire, that, that travels with increasing momentum because of the exponential relationship of it. I like that. I like that, Doctor. Uh, since it's the goodness of God that leads us to true repentance, um, it seems to me that a corporate repentance would be tied to a corporate better understanding of the goodness of God, mm. which I think then comes that when there's a corporate appreciation for Jesus as our high priest mm. in the most holy place as to what it says about his character. You know, his ministry there says something about his character. Mm. That when we see the beauty of that element of his character, the goodness of God will lead us to repentance. Mm. Thank you. I like that too. You know, when you're standing up here by yourself and questions come or comments and and uh, you say, boy, am I glad that uh, there's some other people in here who are saying it better than I can. I, I appreciate that. Yes. In talking about the high priest moving into the holy place, if most we could, holy place you know, into the most holy place, yeah. if we could switch out that metaphor for one that you used earlier tonight, when you talked about the bride who is in the story of the Song of Solomon, and she's in the room... She's in the bed. She's got her feet there all washed in perfume. She's done. She's waiting for him. She really wants him to be there. And she has done what she thinks she needs to do. She thinks she's ready. She's got those clean feet. She's sure she's ready. He comes to the door. It's a crisis. She doesn't know what to do because she's not supposed to get her feet dirty. But she's immature, and she doesn't understand that her husband's on the other side of the door, dripping wet with the night dew, and she has not learned to come into sympathy with Christ and his work and what he's doing. So that is our lack, and that's why 
That's what we need. Boy, you, you, you guys are not far from the kingdom of heaven. I tell you. I thank you. Thank you very much for all these. Yes. I, I personally believe that uh, at a careful analysis of Daniel 8, 9, and 10, and we have Daniel's prayer in Daniel chapter 9, leads us to the following conclusion. I personally believe that Daniel prayed his prayer on the day of atonement. Mm. It coined the prayer of Daniel. In fact, he played the role of the high priest. Mm. The, the, the sanctuary was not functional, as it were. It was right. not functional. So he assumed the role of the high priest in Daniel chapter 9 and prayed a corporate prayer on behalf of the people of Israel. The holy place has to do with individual sin. And the most holy place has to do with corporate sin. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, the cleansing, the corporate re repentance has much to do with the cleansing mm -hmm. of the sanctuary. Mm -hmm. Very good. I, you said it better than I could. Um, I had a question. Um, how can how can God use us to? Um, if I, I've read that book too by Elder Whelan, um, Corporate Repentance, I've been really blessed by it. So, but how can God use us to um, reach church leaders? Um, so that there can be this beautiful corporate repentance for the rejection of this message in 1888, and so that um, there will be a, a full turning around, that the message will be embraced and proclaimed and repented of for the rejection. Uh, let me say that I, I'm not wanting to go into the direction of leadership. Um, Leadership will pay more attention when they see a fire burning in our souls, in our hearts. Because as they say, when the pulpit's on fire, people come to see it burning, won't they? And rather than say leadership, I need to say me. Me. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. Yes. Mm. Right. It is. Oh, I think it is. All right. It's it's not just when we catch fire, but it's when they see in us an attitude of self-sacrifice. Well, that's what the fire is, isn't it? Really, when you get down to it, it's a good reminder that the fire is really the the fire of self-sacrifice. Mm. That's that's what the fire is. It's self-sacrifice. Um, you know, when you think of you think of Moses willing to give up his salvation. I mean, that just blows my mind. It really does. I say, wow, I am a billion miles away from that. 
But Moses saw the cross. He experienced the cross. Yes. Um, Sister Louise just mentioned uh, about, you know, how, how can we get our leadership to recognize repentance for the rejection of this message in 1888. I think we have to go back to that corporate idea of Daniel's prayer. He was an individual who said, we have sinned. We have to recognize that this is not the rejection of this message in 1888. It's the rejection of this message since 1888 till 2011, till today, and that I'm a part of it. Mm. And that, you know, I as an individual need to repent corporately Mm. for myself, say we have sinned, Mm. and recognize that this is something that we are all guilty. Everyone in this room is guilty of presently, currently. And we need to repent of it. Thank you. Okay, I'm just going to maybe a couple more and then we'll pray. We'll pray. Okay, so one, two, and there was a hand or so back here. Um, Okay. Um, Yes, it's going to be. I'm going to have to stand out of the way here. Yes, it's going to be, uh, we're looking at Christ in the, we're going to walk with Jesus in the most holy place, but it's by faith. It's going to be by faith, right? Because we're not there. We're still at the altar of burnt offering, unless there's maybe a few individuals that have gone beyond that. We still haven't died to self. That's what we have. But for going from there to there, it could be in an instant. Because Christ will take us there, and we'll slingshot right through there. But that part has to happen first. Because if you're not, you, you're just fooling yourself. The other, the other group that thinks they're there, they're never going to advance beyond the, the holy place. They're going to stay right there. Thank you. Um, one here. And is that going to be it? All right. Just two more back there. And uh, that will be it. Okay. I think um, what's God's, God's objective here through this whole thing we're talking about? And we're talking about repentance. And we're talking about um, a reformation. But God's trying to restore us in a relationship. I mean, we all know this. But that's the ultimate. It's, it's like the three R's. And he's, he's waiting on us. You know, we, we sit here waiting on him. He's waiting on us. And he wants to restore us in that relationship more than anything else in the universe. That's what he wants. And it's up to us. It's up to us. All right. Uh, Beautiful message on repentance. Uh, We're talking about the 1888 message. Has the church not changed its mind about righteousness by faith since 1888 is that not part of our church do we still need to repent of that good question Um, the mere fact that it's 2011 and we are still here would indicate that there is something missing The, the, the message God never intended for time to go on so long. Amen. And it's not that he's saying, I've got to send a couple more earthquakes or a couple of you know, uh, tropical storms to Vermont. Yeah. Um, 
none of that. It, it is the fact that, Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. Amen. And the fact is that we're still here because of that struggle we have. So that we really are no different than any previous generation. That's what God is trying to help us to see. And uh, yes, that's very true. Very true. Okay, this will be the last comment. I just want to say that I'm with you, brother. Uh, This message has a ring of truth to it. I would like to be a part of it. And if this is a timely message from God for us, I say let's stop talking about it and get on our knees and pray about it. Kelly, did you have something you wanted to? I think we need to have a press together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, Josh, 